Acts chapter number 1. We're going to begin reading in verse number 15 this morning. Acts chapter number 1, beginning in verse number 15. And in those days, Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples and said, The number of names together were about 120, men and brethren. This scripture must needs have been fulfilled, which the Holy Ghost by the mouth of David spake before concerning Judas, which was guided to them that took Jesus. For he was numbered with us and had obtained part of this ministry. Now this man purchased a field with the reward of iniquity and falling headlong, he burst asunder in the midst and all his bowels gushed out. And it was known unto all the dwellers at Jerusalem insomuch as that field is called in the proper tongue Seladama, uh, that is to say the field of blood. For it is written in the book of Psalms, let his habitation be desolate, let no man dwell therein, and his bishopric let another take. Wherefore, of these men which had have companied with us all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John, unto the same day that he was taken up from us, must be one must one be ordained to be a witness with us of his resurrection. And they appointed two, Joseph called Barsabas, who was surnamed Justice, and Matthias, and they prayed and said, Thou, Lord, which knowest the hearts of all men, show whether of these two thou hast chosen, that he may take part of this ministry and apostleship, from which Judas by transgression fell, that he might go to his own place. And they gave forth their, their lots, and the lot fell upon Matthias, and he was numbered with the eleven apostles. Let's pray together. Father God, I thank you for the privilege it is to be able to gather. I ask that you'd give wisdom in your word this morning. And Father, we, we thank you uh, for your many blessings. We thank you for the way in which you work already. And Lord, that uh, as we were singing just a, a moment ago, where you lead, uh, I'll go. And Lord, I ask that that would be the heart of each one of us today. That no matter how it is that you lead or direct in our life, that we would jump and say, yes, Lord, I'm in and I'm going right where you'd have me to be. And Father, we, uh, we do thank you for our kids. I thank you for their energy. I thank you for their joy. And uh, Lord, I ask that you'd be with the teachers down there as well. May the, the anointing of your spirit be upon this hour and upon this time. And Father, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Have you ever considered... Uh, have you ever stopped to consider how much time you spend in preparation? Have you ever sat down and thought about the preparation, time and preparation, or just how important preparation is? Preparation is necessary for success. Well, that's what we find the uh, disciples doing in Acts chapter 1. They're preparing for the power of God to fall upon their lives. <clears throat> now, Peter may have uh, denied knowing Jesus three times earlier, right? We, we say not a question there. But the truth is, they all denied him when they fled. And if people see us in uh, see us uh, see in us things they don't uh, the things doesn't look like Jesus, that makes us a, a false witness. Proverbs chapter fourteen and verse number five: A faithful witness doesn't lie, but a false witness will utter lies. And folks, we can we can utter lies without ever moving our lips. 
we, uh, we come along and you go, God, help us to tell the truth about him to those who seek to serve and uh, we, uh, uh, that he is, is loving, that he's caring, that he's forgiving, that he's patient, uh, that he's love. And do you know how they, they're going to discover that, uh, uh, discover these things about our God? And it's through our loving them, through our caring for them, through our forgiving them, through our patience with them. We, uh, we walk through and, and uh, they, what they see in us is what they come to believe about God. I would say the same thing about our children. And as they look at mom and dad, what they see in mom and dad is what they believe about, about God and they believe about uh, who he is and uh, for what they see in us, they believe about God. So that's why I'm asking you to invest some time in uh, serving people, picking somebody out. We've talked about it the last two weeks. Pick somebody out to spend some time with in order to reach them with the gospel. So I've got to do what? I need to serve them. I need to care for them. I need to, uh, I need to be a, a part of loving them, uh, a part of forgiving them, and, and, uh, and a part of, of our patience with them. What, what we see, you say, there's, there's the, the picture of ministering to them so that we can show them who Jesus is. If I can't demonstrate who Jesus is in my life, then I have to ask you some other questions about my walk with my Savior. So uh, somebody come up and said, Pastor, thank you for challenging me to get out of my comfort zone. See, because I spend too much time with Christians. I spend too much time with Christians. It's time for me to, to reach out to, to some lost folks. And you know that's true for most of us, if we're honest. When it comes to folks, who do we pick up the phone to call to, to go to dinner? Or who do, we, who do we invite? Or other believers? When, uh, when we go to a social event, who do we, who do we invite? And and, uh, and so I would give us that challenge to reach out, somebody with a goal, uh, to reach out with the gospel. And uh, this year we're in investing time as salt and light and those who, who give no evidence of knowing Jesus to, to serve them and to minister to them. Serve and minister with the hope of showing them Jesus, with the hope that they'll come to know him too. So those disciples were now in the upper room. They're licking their wounds. I mean, when you think about how things have gone, they were once divided, uh, power-hungry, deniers of their Lord. Say, have you ever considered that God works best when people's lives are all messed up? Have you ever thought about that? And then think about this time as they're gathered together. Things have been a little messed up. They did just see the Lord go back, ascend back to heaven. But if our life's all messed up, I've got great news for us. God's not finished and he does his best work in folks whose lives are messed up. I love to see when, when folks start talking about how God begins to work and, uh, and how he's messed up. And that's what we find in the book of Acts as we think under the heading of, of Back to Basics. So how did they prepare for God's power to fall upon them? How do we? Uh, how do we? Well, we read in, in, about it in, in Acts chapter 1 and we read down through verse 26. And uh, we saw that's there. So what was involved in their preparing for the power of God to fall on their lives? And what about us? What kind of preparation do we have to make for the power of God to fall upon us? Not only upon our lives, but upon the church. And well, beginning in verse 15, we read first about this, the authority of the scripture. It's the authority of the scripture. When we look in verse number 15, they stood up, the disciples, 
It says, in those days, Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples and said the number of names together were about 120. Men and brethren, this scripture must needs have been fulfilled. Notice the authority of the scripture right there in their lives. He points it out and he says the scripture must be fulfilled. Peter understood the authority of scripture. In verse number 20 he quoted Psalm 69, 25 as well as Psalm 109, verse number 8. Both dealing with Jesus. By the way, don't let anybody ever tell us that, that there are no precedents or, uh, concerning Jesus in the Old Testament. If, if they begin to tell you that, be careful because we've been looking in the book of Leviticus, the book that most folks don't want to read, and we've been looking at the days, right down to the day, and the prediction of the, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of the Lord. So exciting to see. God put the picture right there, the shadow right there for us to be able to see. And we can't understand the Old Testament apart from the Lord Jesus, and we certainly will not understand the New Testament apart from him either. So we begin to, to look, and we've been uh, looking at how to grow our faith on Sunday nights, how to grow my faith, and uh, how is it that uh, we're going to grow my faith. And we've looked at several Old Testament saints, going to be looking at several Old Testament saints, and how exciting it is. But the Scripture, I want you to notice, Peter told him the Scripture has to be fulfilled. It involves the authority of the Scripture in our lives and throughout our church. Where there is authority of Scripture, there's the application of Scripture. Does the Scripture have the authority in its life to make change in yours? That's the question that I really want to get to when we talk about it. See, a lot of us know Scripture. We can quote off lots of Bible verses. But does the Scripture have the authority in your life and mine to change us? I would say, of course it does. That's an easy answer. We, might, we would go, of course it does. Why? Because it's God's word. I sound like I'm in Sunday school with the littlest kids, right? Because, of course, it does because it's, it's God's word. He's the one that's given. But in reality, let's put the reality there. When God says to do something, are we willing to do it? That's the authority of Scripture to change my life. For me to go, let's go. I'm ready, Lord, today. Today. I woke up this morning, and I realized I dreamed a dream last night. Y'all are in trouble. I, I dreamed a dream. Y'all are in trouble. We rented the, the entire Delaware County Fairgrounds. We rented the fairgrounds. To have a revival meeting. That's what we had. We had a revival meeting. I needed the Flintstones to move some rocks. <laughs> that Brian can't get out. And I'm going to leave the rest of that invoice alone. Only going to get me in trouble for those that don't know. Brother Brian got an invoice from a Flintstone company this week. That was the title of the company. Other than that, you probably don't need to know much more other than I don't think either of them have read this part yet. The invoice has been paid in full by people against illegitimate debt. Just to let you know, that's paid. People against illegitimate debt. We'll see how many of you get that acrostic later. Terrible joke, wasn't it? Terrible. 
okay, all right. Am I willing to go where God wants me to go? I'll go back to the dream. That's a better example. Y'all got me distracted. And uh, God, uh, God has a way. And I, I, I woke up this morning thinking, oh, my lands, God, I, if that's a direction, I'm looking at a church that, that's not half full. And you're showing, I said, Lord, that's a big step if that's what you're doing. But if that's what we're supposed to do, are we willing to take that step of faith to do it? Have you ever had God give you one of those kind of God-sized challenges? I'm not saying that's what he's done. That was just a dream I had last night. It may be the challenge he's given. It may not be. But I'd ask you, has God given you that kind of a, a God-sized challenge? To do something that I've never done before. That stepped us out. See, to Abraham, it was go to the land that I'll show thee of. For years... I have to be honest, I've studied that portion of scripture, did all the reading. And it was just recently I was reading through the book of Genesis and I come across and I realize, most of you realize that Abraham was in his 70s when God told him to do that? In his 70s. Pick up your stuff and go to the land that I'll show thee of. For years, I'll fess up and go, for lack of study is what I'll blame it on. And I don't even really know that it was lack of study. I just didn't observe it. Never caught it. But I went, hmm, isn't that interesting? I, I always thought he was a young man when God said that. No. Well, into his 70s. And I said, hmm, isn't that interesting? Whew. He's not finished yet, is he? We tend to look. I've had folks through our ministry that have said time and again, young people, Young people, young people, young people. And I love young people. Don't misunderstand me. I love our kids. I like hearing them. I know I've taken some heat for being able to hear the kids in our sanctuary through the years. And I go, I like hearing our kids. I like hearing them worship. I like, if, if you don't, if you've never been on a Sunday night or a Wednesday night, and it's not every Sunday night, it's not every Wednesday night, but there have been times when I'm begging Brittany to give me more monitor because they're singing so loud that, that my, my bad ear, we'll pick on that one, my bad ear can't hear the music or the piano the way that it ought to, and I'm singing with the most off-key person, RJ, in the room. <laughs> he needed to be here. Uh, that was planned, too, by the way. But I do. I end up on the same note that he's on. If I, if I can't, because I just, he's the one I can hear over top of all the music that's in those monitors. And we got these great big speakers down here, but you go, wait a minute. But you know what? I love to hear our kids worship because when they get a hold of what God's doing in their life, it's so exciting. Let me ask you, who do you see more likely to give their life and say, you know what? I'll go to a mission field. I'll give my life to serve the Jesus with the rest of my life. And we go, well, of course it's kids. Well, how about another Abraham? You think God wants another Abraham? I'm pretty sure of it. Does he want to use you and I? I'm sure he does. I'm sure that he wants us to, to be used. And you go, well, I, 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 can, I can mentor, I can teach, I can, I can help them grow. And that's true. That's true. What if he called you out? What if he called you out? Some of you might remember years ago, we had a group come through. Uh, it was the Florida Children's Home. Florida Children's Home. Brother Buddy Morrow uh, was the director of the Florida Children's Home. 
I so tickled. I was picking on him here just not too long ago. I, I picked up the phone. I called Brother Buddy. He's been a friend for years. And uh, the children's home was right there in Melbourne, just down the road from our church in, uh, in Melbourne. And, and uh, the kids happened to be in my junior high class when I was teaching junior high, several of the kids that were at the children's home. So now you know part of that love that we have for young people uh, going through difficult times. But uh, uh, it was really kind of interesting because Buddy and I become close then. And, and I, I reached out with, uh, to, to, to get a hold of him, and I, I had a question for him. And I had an old phone number, old cell phone number. He hadn't changed his cell phone number in 15 years. I was thankful. I said, is this for Buddy Morrow? And he goes, yes, it is. I said, do you lead the Florida Children's Home? And he says, that's been gone a long time. God moved him. God closed the children's home, and God moved him. I said, what, what are you doing now? And he says, well, God kind of changed things a little bit. God moves his workmen, and his work moves on. I was so excited. He said, well, I'm at CETA is the answer mission and he says now we're working with adults and folks that are homeless uh, folks that are addicts folks that are that don't have and uh, I uh, I remember Brother Johnny Ellison is the one who started that ministry uh, probably back in the 70s uh, 60s or 70s late 60s early 70s and uh, Brother Johnny had passed away and his family had, had run it for a while, but Brother Buddy came and they called and asked him to come. And I said, you know, <laughs> I said, Buddy, I said, you're not a young man anymore. He goes, oh, no, you haven't seen me in a few years. He says, but God has a plan, and he's not done. He's going to finish what he started, and he's not done with you yet. And I said, you know, we need a few more Abrahams like that. Few more body tomorrow. That God's not done yet. It's time for us to to step up. The Scripture must be fulfilled. You remember how James put it: "Be doers of the word, not hearers only." Getting back to the basics, where where's God's best and 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 blessing is involves our getting under the authority of the Scripture for our lives and and fellowship, and then applying that Scripture. The sad truth is, the majority of believers and and, and the majority of churches today. Claim its authority, but with little application, with little putting it to practice. They, they wonder why there's so little power in our lives and churches. A study that was released found that the lifestyle activities of born-again Christians are the same as non-Christians. When asked to identify their activities over the last 30 days, born-again believers were just as likely to bet visit pornographic websites, take something that didn't belong to them, consult a medium or psychic, to physically fight or abuse someone, to have consumed enough alcohol to be considered legally drunk, to have used illegal non-prescription drugs, uh, to have said something to someone that was not true, to have gotten back at someone for something he or she did, and to have said mean things behind another person's back. No difference than a lost one. Be hard pressed to find much difference between those who claim to be saved and those who claim not to be saved. What's happened? No wonder there's no power 
in our churches, no power in our prayers. It's time for us to get back to the basics and the authority of Scripture. Verse number 14 shows us that, that they continued. But what did they continue in? We, we look back and you go, where, where were they? They all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication. They, were, they gathered together in prayer. They went back to prayer. Speaks of general prayers. Lord, bless me, my son today. Supplication means uh, speaks of specific praise. Lord, help my son overcome his addiction would be an example. So they prayed for 10 days. So what were they praying about? Well, we're not told specifically, but you would think they were praying, uh, uh, they would, uh, you'd think they were praying about the, the suicide of Ju Judas and who would replace him, but they must have prayed for the coming of the Holy Spirit. After all, Jesus told them in just a couple of days earlier, he says, you're going to receive the power of the Holy Spirit. And apparently they were praying themselves in, in one accord I have to do this because it's so cool. They're in one accord. Do you know that word? It comes from the Greek, and here it is. Homo thumadon. Homo thumadon. You look at it and you go, Pastor, that doesn't mean much to me, and, and uh, because they needed to, and then one accord. But uh, when you sit back, I remember the first time I saw that word, and I thought it said thunderdorm. Like, it's like they just echoed through. And I realized, no, that's not really how it is. But they come together in such accord, in one accord. They begin to pray, and they begin to bombard the, the, the thrones of heaven. They needed to. They had not always been together in one accord. They had not always been together in, in, in unison. They had, had fought and fussed most of the time. Jesus was always having to pull them apart. One time they were arguing about who's going to be at the top seat in, in the kingdom. Matter of fact, let me show you something about the power of God. It doesn't just fall on a, on a divided fellowship. The power of God doesn't fall where his people are not getting along with one another. In that upper room, they prayed, and they got the sin out of their lives. They got right with God, right with one another, in preparation for the power to fall upon their lives. That's exciting. And getting ready for the, the power of God to, to move them. See, every member of this fellowship, we have the responsibility to promote, protect unity. And only if one would, if only we would, would follow the admonition of Paul in Romans chapter 11, or chapter 14, verse number 19. When the scripture tells us there, let us pursue the things which make peace uh, and the things which, which may edify or build up one another. Ephesians 4, verses 2 and 3, with lowliness and gentleness and long-suffering, bearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in, bond, uh, in the bond of, of peace. Getting back to the basics involves making prayer a priority again in our lives and in our fellowships. We may have to pray ourselves into one accord and ready for God's power to fall by, by praying out sin, praying out selfishness, praying out stubbornness. But that's the preparation required for prayer and the power to fall. See, I would challenge us to come to back to the place of prayer and to say, you know what, it's time for us to just get alone with God. Say, God, here am I. Here am I. And I want to get to the place, I don't know about you, but I want to get to the place when I'm in my prayer time and I'm alone with God and I'm talking with God, then I go, God, he told me to be still and know that I'm God. I read that in the, in the Psalms. And I've never had too much trouble. 
I have a lot of trouble with being quiet, I realize, before some of you pick on me. I have trouble with that. Danny's nicknamed me Chatterbox. I don't have a problem with that either. But I know this, that I know that when I'm still, I never have a problem hearing God speak. When I take the time to put down the electronics, get rid of the junk in my life, just quiet everything down and say, Lord, speak. I never have a problem. Problem is me most of the time. Not taking the time. Not getting alone. Not getting down and saying, Lord, here it is. Here I am. Will you just give me the instruction I need for today? That I need for the week. And that I need to move forward whatever the challenge might be. God, I need it. I need you. See, normally that lacks. He's waiting. Look at the admonition of Scripture and walk through and realize that what is he doing? He's got his ear bent. He can't wait to hear us pray. He's got his ear bent waiting to hear your your, your supplications, your prayers and your supplications and saying, God, move. God, move move in my life you know when we get to the place where we get alone and we get to the place where we are a thunderstorm in the presence of heaven because we have begun to bombard heaven with our prayer requests I'd ask how many of us were praying for somebody to get saved in church today say preacher I might not have done that this week you know what I believe if each one of us got a hold of God and we were asking for somebody to get saved and we did it every day of every week every day of every month and every day of every year do you know it would be so interesting is to come to church on Sunday because if I'm praying that I learned a long time ago if I'm praying it God has a way of using me to become the answer to the prayer that he's that I'm praying so if I'm praying, God, give me somebody. God, may somebody come to know you as Savior. You know, what's really interesting is God might say to you, Psst, go talk to this one again. Bring them along with you. That still small voice of God. Come on. See, their time in prayer, getting back to the basics, is, is, is their time in prayer. Involves the authority of Scripture. It involves the the, the priority of uh, of prayer. It involves uh, it involves the, the the quality of leadership. You begin walking down through there, verses twenty one and twenty two, and verse twenty five. You see where they put in the quality of leader that they needed to be in. But they were converted leaders. They were co- uh, committed leaders. They were called leaders. They were the people that, that God had put in their place to to do so. And 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 in order to move forward. I thought it was interesting. I was speaking with a pastor here not too long ago, and he was talking about deacons and trustees and and uh, the leadership in the church. and And, uh, and I said, he said, uh, we're getting ready to have to go through our process of appointments. And and he says, my problem is I don't have anybody. I don't have anybody. He says, I got some men, but many of them, it's not their first wife. Mm. 
He said, not only that, he says, but uh, they, um, most of them haven't come to church for longer than the last year. Hmm. He says, I don't have that quality leadership that I need. You know, as, as men, and I pick on our men, and I say, you know what? We've got to be the men that God's called us to be. Not only for our families, but for our church. To lead our church. To lead the, the people that are around us to see. We've been given such a privilege. Such a privilege. To look around in our community and see folks. And, you know, our, our community looks at us and they say, your church always has so many kids. I can't walk up and down the street without that coming out as a as a statement. <laughs> and I go, well, thank you for noticing. We had somebody walking up the street the other day. They were going to the playground that doesn't exist at the school anymore. <laughs> they got up. They, they We started talking out front. I shouldn't say we. Heather started talking with them out front. Heather said, oh, there's no, there's there's a couple of pieces out there. But you want a playground? Come on out back. We got a playground for you to play on. It's so funny. Heather said that, and she's been, everybody that's on their way to the playground. I said, oh, we have Ostrander's Playground now. So somebody that I've, had the privilege to share the gospel with several times has openly told me they're not a believer comes walking up through here up the road and he looks at me and he says I don't know how you do it I said what are you talking about and he says turn around I didn't realize we had a playground full of kids out back one I'll say it, Miss Michelle just said, praise the Lord. And he says, but how do you guys get all those kids around? He says, because there's one thing I've learned at my, at my age, is that you can fool a fool, but you cannot fool a kid. You, can't, you can fool a fool, but you can't fool a kid. And you guys got more kids than I ever know. And then he was joking, he goes, I'd be a tired man as many as you have around. <laughs> I looked at him and I said, well, I do sleep a lot when I can. <laughs> I couldn't help it. But you know, the reality is, is we have a job and a responsibility to lead our kids, set that example. And when we look at the the getting back to the basics and we look at the fact that what did they do what did it involve it involved the authority of the scriptures the priority of prayer the quality of leaders and the willingness to go that's what you read in the next verse when you read what happens on the day of Pentecost the willingness to go and so as we're looking at the opportunity I would say hmm to get back to the basics. As a church, what do we got to do? We need to start praying, don't we? We got to commit ourselves to the authority of the scripture. Let God change us and say, God, I'm coming to you in prayer. And I'm going to bring it all before you. 
how it is that you desire me. Lord, here's my heart. I'm not going to hold anything back. And then here's my sin. See, I, I thought it was really interesting. I received a phone call. This week, we had a call that came in on the church line, and Heather got the the uh, got the message, and Heather said, "I recognize the lady's voice, but I don't I don't recognize it. I don't know who it is. I recognize the name." And uh, she said, uh, "Goldstein," but she couldn't understand the the last uh, the first name. And she gave me the number, and I said, well, it's somebody from Florida. Somebody from Florida. And she goes, well, she wants you to call in a, and hurry up. She called. She said it was urgent. And I picked up the phone and dialed. And, and <laughs> as she answered, the lady answered the phone, I said, Miss Goldstein. And then it hit me who I was calling. And her name's Jenny. Jenny, Jenny and Jeff were mom and dad to a young lady by the name of Jennifer in our youth department. Jeff and Jenny come from the Philippines and uh, were members of our church down there in, in Melbourne. Jeff's a great guy. He's one of those guys, I love him. Served the Lord with all his heart. He's the kind of guy that he wanted to serve so much he drove you nuts. He was that kind of guy. It was like, what can I do now? What can I do now? To the point that it was like, Jeff, there's nothing else to do. Go home today, will you? And he's, but what can I do now? He was always that way. I, 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 I it was just so funny. And I called and, and Jenny. I said, Jenny, how are you doing? And she said, Well, Jeff passed away two years ago. That's why I called. That's why I called. I said, Jenny, I'm sorry. My heart sunk because I realized that here's a widow calling with, with just a broken heart. I love Jenny because Jenny, I know that Jeff and Jenny, they prayed regularly for our youth ministry. They sent a daughter off to, to uh, a Christian college. They, uh, they have uh, a son that was a wayward son, and they prayed for him regularly. Jenny told me he's since returned to the Lord recently, and I said, Hallelujah. But she did make me laugh before we were off the phone. She made me laugh. I shared this with Brother Jeff yesterday. I, while we were talking, she says, Brother Pat, I love my husband. But he's a real pain in the butt. I said, what? She goes, he was just challenging. You know what I mean? And I, I wanted to, I said, well, Jenny, and she goes, don't be nice right now, Brother Pat. Just tell the truth. <laughs> Just tell the truth. And I said, Jenny, and she, she says, she says, no, my husband's in heaven, and he loved you and prayed for you every day. And she said, I wanted to let you know that he's in heaven today. And I'm sure that he's probably talking to Jesus about you today because of the difference that you had made in our lives when you were there in Florida. And I said, you know, thank you, Jenny. I 
appreciate that encouragement. I, I need that. I was thinking about our message this morning, and I said, you know, if each one of us would reach back and look back, and we got somebody that we've trained up. You know what? Maybe the thing that I ought to challenge us with is not to look back at somebody like a like a Jennifer Goldstein or a or Scotty Marsh or I could name lots of names. But maybe we ought to look and say, Who is it today? Who am I training up today? Who am I training today to come along? I believe that's one of the challenges with Christianity today is we've not trained up enough folks. And when folks begin to pass, the numbers grow down. we got to train up more than that are coming than those that are passing. And so I'd say, who we challenge? That quality of leadership. Biblical authority. Returning to What's God doing in our lives today? And am I willing to say yes, Lord? I'll go with you wherever He leads. Let's stand together with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. I want to invite you to come. Will you come? As the Lord speaks today, will you come? I know I haven't preached the gospel message in terms of come to Jesus and be saved, but the Bible does tell us He's the only way to heaven only one way and it's through him and maybe we just need to come and say Lord here am I you're doing a work in my life and I'm ready to just come and say here Lord here's my heart here's my life change me as the Lord speaks to our hearts this morning will you come Lord Jesus, move us as only you can do. Change us as only you can change us. Lord, help us surrender as only we can do. In Jesus' name we pray.